Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a treatment for irregular heartbeats, a video game prescription, and a smartwatch blood pressure app for your phone. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 38 for the week of June 22nd. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is T63.621A, toxic effect of contact with other jellyfish, accidental, parentheses, unintentional, initial encounter. There's a lot of stipulations with this. It's so oddly specific, but I think what's even more odd uh, is that, interestingly enough, this has happened to me. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. If you remember correctly, last week I was dealing with a pretty terrible sunburn. Mm -hmm. Um, The week before that, I had been... Um, bitten by a shark and you lost the aquarium. Yeah. Um, right. What I didn't tell you about that story, though, is that when I was bit by that shark, you know, your reaction is to yank your hand back because you just got mm-hmm. bit. Um, and in doing so, I tripped over like the velvet ropes that they have, right, that are surrounding the little touch tank. Yeah. Um, and I flipped over that, got airborne. And landed in the jellyfish tank. Um, so, yeah, the shark bite was actually like the least of my worries by the time I made it to the hospital on that one. Um, yeah, right. You're probably then wondering um, how I felt okay enough to go get a sunburn the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because all of the burns were in places that I could cover with like a shirt. So, you know. <laughs> I got my elbows sunburned. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh, you know, you've had some pretty bad luck ever since we started this podcast, actually. You've had a, a diagnosis yeah. code <laughs> every single week. Yeah, I'm that. starting to wonder who is leaking my health records <laughs> to the show writers. <laughs> Whoever it is, they need to stop because that's a HIPAA violation. Right. Agreed. Agreed. With that, let's get into the news. First up, we have beating problems of irregular heartbeats. The FDA and Health Canada approved a degassed saline used with an ablation system and a needle catheter to treat ventricular arrhythmias. Ablation is surgical removal of tissue and arrhythmias are abnormal heartbeats. When used together, a saline and a retractable needle catheter eliminate over 98% of air bubbles that can lead to stroke. This system reaches abnormal muscle fibers deep in the heart wall where standard procedures can't reach and where irregular heartbeats are often located. This ablation system is an effective treatment option for patients that are resistant to antiarrhythmic drugs or standard ablation systems. And for those who don't know what we just talked about, neither do I. It sounds like a very complicated way of saying, hey, we've got a new way to treat arrhythmia. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, which is an irregular heartbeat. So there you go. Very exciting news. Right. (laughs) And it seems to be an effective option for people who can't necessarily, like, don't have the right reaction to other anti-arrhythmia. Backup to the backup potential. Right. It's a new backup. 
Next up, health benefits of a video game. The FDA is authorizing doctors to prescribe a video game for kids 8 to 12 years old with ADHD. Endeavor RX, an obstacle dodging and target collecting game, is the first video game that can legally be marketed and prescribed as medicine in the U.S. The game underwent seven years of clinical trials that studied over 600 kids. One of these trials studied the outcomes of playing the game for 25 minutes per day, five days a week, for four weeks. One-third of the kids treated no longer had measurable attention deficit on at least one measure of objective attention. Doctors who work for the game's developer said that the results aren't sufficient to suggest the game be used as an alternative to current treatments for ADHD. But it's one more treatment to potentially try, and the next step is to launch the game. So it's kind of funny because there's clearly a discrepancy between the World Health Organization and the United States healthcare uh, industry because the World Health Organization is going to publish a new ICD uh, pretty soon here, which is ICD 12, I believe. And in that is a diagnosis code for playing video games. So. Right, I mean, this is a little bit different, but it's still kind of a funny thing to point out. So it's like, hey, get prescribed a video game, but you better not get addicted hey, to it because then we might. To be fair, that. though, in terms of addictions, there's a lot of things that we offer as medicine, as treatments true. that can be addictive. So that's true. Now, yeah. here's what I have to say. Okay, this game has been tested for seven years, which <laughs> means it was probably around for a little bit before that. So it's probably got outdated. Think back for a minute. Imagine what video games looked like in 2013 or even 2012. Yep. Hopefully they did a couple patches since then, you know? Right. (laughs) I'm hoping that they've updated the graphics and maybe the language. You can get a battle pass or a season pass and get new skins in the game. (laughs) New skins for (laughs) you. Is this like the next Fortnite? (laughs) (laughs) No, I highly doubt that. Because this (laughs) is a game that's designed by doctors instead of game developers, right? <laughs> I, I can't imagine that a lot of those doctors went to medical school thinking, you know what, I'd like to be a video game designer. Yeah, right. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. It seems like it's promising, like it has some good results. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me, um, there was this game that a friend of mine was given after they were treated for asthma, like they found out they had asthma. The hospital gave them this game, and the whole point of the game was to basically go after and eliminate these things that would trigger the asthma and, like, take down this boogeyman who would cause oh. asthmatic symptoms. And I I played that game and enjoyed it, and I don't have asthma. <laughs> Thinking back, it's like one of those weird, fond memories that I have. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe because they're targeting kids who are 8 to 12 years old, it doesn't really matter how good it looks or how maybe it's just going to be like a cool little game that they'll remember one day and think back and then they'll realize focus was a treatment. I wonder, you know, I wonder if like it's because of this game that is designed specifically for ADHD or maybe they just haven't even tested what playing other actual video games do for people with ADHD. You know what I mean? Right. Like, maybe this is where they're starting, but, mm-hmm. like, I feel like this is doing obstacle dodging and target collecting isn't something, right. like... You raise very- a good point. 
very out of the out of the sphere of video games yeah like that's like that's like the bread and butter of like most video games is every platformer you know super mario brothers is obstacle dodging and target collecting exactly so So. you do make a great point i want to see them run similar studies to this one but with other games because they might not even have to put that much work into it like Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. prescribe prescribe uh you know super mario odyssey on the switch and you know you'll be fine exactly though that brings up an interesting point and i wonder if video game designers are going to start thinking about these kind of things moving into the future like okay we're making this game is there something that we can do that will make this game also a benefit to someone's health yeah, and I mean they have they have things in video games now where it's like colorblind mode, where they change the colors of the video games to uh, accommodate for people who have different colored blind, uh, I guess diagnoses, diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there'll be a setting that's called ADHD mode, and it adds where they some just sort remove of the background so there are yeah. no distractions. Right, maybe something like that. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Interesting. I like the concept of it though. While we're going to be doing telehealth, you know what? Instead of talking to your doctor via video conference, I think kids can just live stream this game to their doctor. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Their doctor's watching on Twitch. Like, very good. Facebook gaming. They're like, yeah, this is great. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine streaming like this particular game, like recognizing that this is a medical treatment and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to stream it. I'm gonna make some YouTube content. I'm gonna let people watch this. Yeah, yeah. Endeavor <laughs> RX Part Twelve, beating the final boss, <laughs> collecting all the little ops or all the collecting items. <laughs> Next up, we have following through on health tech promise. The Samsung Health Monitor application just launched in South Korea, following its clearance by the South Korea's Ministry of Food and Drug Safety earlier this year. Users of the Galaxy Watch Active 2 can access the Samsung Health Monitor app. They collaborate the monitor with a traditional cuff and can then measure their blood pressure through pulse wave analysis via the watch's wrist sensors. The measurements can be synced to the app on the user's Galaxy phone. They can track by days, weeks, or months and can share the information with their doctor. In the third quarter of this year, an electrocardiogram tracking will be supported on the Samsung Health Monitor app. Exciting. Yes, it's finally here. It just seems like, <laughs> yes, it's finally here, the Active 2. No, I think right. it just kind of goes <laughs> to show you that some countries and some people are still kind of skeptical about wearable health technology because of mm-hmm. the privacy issues involved with it. And as they're being, I mean, more and more used and getting more and more popular, they're losing their sense of, this is scary, like skepticism. <laughs> the the thing that attracts me most about this story is the ability to calibrate mm-hmm. the watch. And, and the reason I, that is interesting to me, I have a Fitbit that I've talked about before, and I absolutely love it. I've never really used it for um, like workout tracking, but I have been recently, uh, because with everything shut down, I've had plenty of time to go biking. Yeah. Like a lot of people have. So I went for a bike ride the other day and I was huffing and puffing and pushing as hard as I could. And when I got back, I looked at my my heart rate and it 
said that and I your barely Samsung watch cardio. Like, let alone I was nowhere near peak. I barely reached cardio. So it turns out that I was wearing my watch wrong. And once I fixed that, I got a lot better results. But I do wonder if there's some calibration that needs to take place because I I look at how I was riding and I'm like, dang, I feel like I spent most of this time with my heart just pounding. And this says I barely reached that point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like at a certain point they're going to get, if you if you need calibration now, at a certain point they're going to just calibrate themselves. So. Because that's how technology works these days. They fix the small problems that end up making the bigger uh, goals reachable. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, uh, call me a, you know, call me old fashioned, but I prefer the standard wristwatch, you know, the analog fancy. <laughs> sure you do. You know, you, you, you could, you could buy a Apple watch for around, what is it? 600 bucks, 800 bucks, whatever. Or you could buy a Rolex for a few thousand dollars. So you know. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to go with something like a Timex for 20 bucks. No, 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 no. <laughs> you could buy a Tag Heuer for 15 grand if you want instead of your Apple Watch. So, yeah. So let's go on to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest healthcare and cybersecurity breaches all across the world. First up, we have Hungry for an Extra Order of Your Information. One of Europe's largest online food delivery companies, Foodora, has confirmed that its user account data has been compromised. The incident exposed details of 727,000 customers across 14 different countries. Exposed information includes names, addresses, phone numbers, hashed passwords, and customers' geolocation. The data was posted on an online forum. Delivery Hero, the company that owns Foodora, is not yet sure how the breach occurred and is taking steps to find out by working with authorities to conduct a thorough internal investigation. What As a expected, name for a company. Foodora. <laughs> <laughs> My lady. <laughs> food, food to your door. Uh, Food to your Dora. What a, what a terrible time for an app like this to experience a breach, though. Yeah, no, right. I mean, because I bet you their service is just absolutely taking off with all of the restaurants starting to take, like, uh, starting to offer delivery through apps like this. Yeah. And with everyone ordering food instead of going out to eat. Hey, you could go. You know, you could go to your nearest restaurant and pick up the takeout yourself and ex- uh, uh, maybe get COVID, or you can order online through this app and get delivery, but also lose your private information. Right. So, you know, it's a catch-22. <laughs> which one? <laughs> which one's you... worse? <laughs> <laughs> and and a lot of times you probably don't know which one's worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't know if COVID's actually worse or better than losing your personal information. I mean, obviously, I don't want to get sick, but at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, maybe it's better to just get it and then not, get ex- and not lose your right. So. Yeah, but even still, I guess now that I think about it, going out to pick it up isn't much better um, because people have like their credit card breached constantly. Yeah, that's true. At retail markets, so I wonder like how up to date the geolocation thing is because that's kind of scary. I- I'm assuming the geolocation is just tagged to like where it was delivered, so it'd be similar to your address. 
in most they know. Well, it could be that, but it could also be like your actual updated longitude latitude, right? Because phones do that now. Mm-hmm. But but I don't think they're storing it in real time for all of their customers. Yeah. Well, you don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> Obviously, I don't know, but why would they be doing that? Because delivery, you got to make sure that you get that delivery and exactly them down as they're want. moving. Maybe you're taking a walk, okay? And that's the next big thing, ordering delivery while you're driving on the highway. And they just like merge on and catch up to you. And you like, just grab it out. Like when an F-15 in the air refuels with like a docking. Exactly. You're like, throw the food across the window from one side of the lane to the other right. on the highway. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds well, perfectly food. safe. What do you call that feature? Uh, on the go delivery. On the go. Wow. <laughs> no need to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On-the-go delivery brought to you by Foodora. Okay. Next up we have, does Minted have an invitation template for a subpoena, perhaps? Minted Incorporated, an online marketplace for home goods, art, and stationery, is facing a class action lawsuit for a massive data breach. The San Francisco-based company allegedly violated the California Consumer Privacy Act and it failed to implement and maintain reasonable security procedures and practices. This ultimately exposed data of millions of its customers and made it one of the first CCPA cases filed in federal court. Hackers gained access to names, email addresses, scrambled passwords, and phone numbers and shipping addresses, then tried to sell this data. Minted didn't notify customers until 22 days later. The company said it had no reason to believe that financial information or photos were stolen but has not confirmed that is the case, nor justified its reasoning for that belief. So this just goes to show you that different states have different laws, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If you aren't familiar with the California Consumer Privacy Act, it was recently signed into law in 2018, like June. So it's been two years or so since this came to fruition. Um, in just two years, it saw its first ever lawsuit from it. So it's essentially like GDPR. And if you aren't familiar with GDPR, it was kind of implemented at the same time as this, this, right? So it has to do with, um, privacy rights and consumer protection in a lot of it has to do with online. Um, so they're very similar to each other. So there you go. There's a little, there's a little backstory behind that. Um, so I guess I just want to set precedent, right? So it's going to be a pretty tough lawsuit, I feel like. And I feel like they're probably going to lose this because it's the first ever one, unfortunately. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, just looking at kind of the details of the lawsuit, basically they're alleging first that Minted didn't maintain reasonable security controls. So they they have private information that they maintain, but mm-hmm. they didn't... Um, they didn't protect things like passwords well enough. So, for example, they took the passwords and they hashed them so they're difficult to use, um, but they were still able to be accessed by hackers. Like, that's the issue, that they were accessible in the first place. And then the other part of that is that they didn't maintain good enough breach detection capabilities. Mm -hmm. So they were somewhat protected against breaches, not enough, according to the lawsuit, but then once they were breached, they didn't notice it uh, until they found the information in a public record and then didn't notify their consumers. Like, that's the issue, is that they 
didn't know that it even happened and didn't have a system in place to notice that. Mm-hmm. Well, and thereby not having probably, a system in place, are they are they at fault then? Because shouldn't they have reasonable um, accommodations to support and to protect themselves and their customers? And in that in that sense, that would by implementing something like that, they would have those protections in place. I don't know. I I think that the end result. The, the interesting part in the end is going to be what potentially gets awarded to the plaintiffs. Because right. at this point, their data has been stolen. It can't be unstolen. Sure. Uh, and can't just, you know, say, well, make sure you do better next time. Slap on the Excuse wrist. Me, Mr. Thing. Hacker, can I have my data back, please? Right. So it's going to be up to the court to basically decide, is this worth some monetary damages and exactly how much that is? And that's going to be the interesting thing in this story. Maybe we'll have a follow-up uh, six years from now when it settles out of court. I wonder how many, does it say how many people are involved? Oh, yeah, millions of its customers. So I wonder, you know, as class action lawsuits go, it's like this company had to pay $300 million in fines, but it turns out that it's going to 300 million customers. So... Each person gets one dollar, except for the lo- the lawyers. They get like right sixty billion each. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of the the Starkist tuna class action lawsuit that they were underfilling their cans. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I ate a lot of tuna, so I grabbed onto that. And it was like four years later, they sent me a check for five dollars and thirty three cents. And it was that'll like, buy you like two thanks. two cans of tuna. Tuna, right? <laughs> go ahead have yourself some, buy yourself something nice <laughs> don't spend it all in one place Sorry for the inconvenience <laughs> and finally nothing says welcome back better than exposing your private information personal details of 305 Cambridge University medical students were exposed to their entire cohort when a spreadsheet was mistakenly attached to a welcome email <laughs> some of this information included notes with reasons for intermission or deferral or withdrawing from the course. A handful of these notes included private information regarding mental health, disabilities, or information on investigations into their fitness to practice as doctors. The incident will be reported as a general data protection regulation Uh breach. A full investigation is underway, and the students should expect to receive a detailed explanation and indication of what measures have been put in place to prevent this from happening again. Students who were affected can contact the Director of Clinical Studies or the Clinical School Welfare Team to discuss the situation further. Wow, what a segue from the last topic to this topic. I mentioned GDPR before, and now we're talking about GDPR now. Um, Right. So that's actually, like, if you think about it now, it sucks for the medical students, right? But if you think about it, it's kind of funny because it's like, welcome to our university. We're going to expose all of your information right out of the gate. Right. What a big welcome. Like, here's your first experience with us. (laughs) Welcome. And here's everyone with disabilities in your class. Like, gee. These kind of breaches are always the most painful. Oh, yeah. Because it happened because of someone being ignorant. Yep. Someone made a pretty terrible mistake. And that's why it happened, as opposed to, you know, someone actively trying to get this information when they should. Right. It was just kind of given out for free. <laughs> and those are the most painful because you can implement more security, more security, more security. But unless you can eliminate all of the people who could potentially make a dumb mistake, 
these things are going to happen. Yep. And human error is one of the biggest causes of breaches, any kind of breaches right. across like the entire globe. Um, Regardless, you probably shouldn't be maintaining a spreadsheet with things like people's mental health and diagnoses and disabilities and stuff like that. It's probably yeah. just bad practice to maintain a spreadsheet with all of that information. Yeah, just, you know, put them in a file and, like, <laughs> go through them one by one. And then, you know, maybe it takes a little bit more time than looking at a spreadsheet, but it ends up if saving. If what you're going for it is some kind of aggregate data, then you can anonymize that and it shouldn't have any kind of, like, uh, or identify, identifying information. But in terms of just monitoring what's going on, this is not the way to do it. Nope. <laughs> nope. Seems like a holdover from I'm, a long time ago when computers weren't connected the way they are. Yeah. Just attach the spreadsheet to an email. I'm not familiar with what happens when a GDPR breach happens. I'm sure it's going to be a fine. Mm-hmm. Like, does that make sense? But it'd be interesting to see what to follow up on this and to see, you know, what happens to Cambridge University because it is Cambridge, which is like a very prestigious school in right. on the globe. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Just goes to show you that even among some of the best and the brightest. Uh, there can be some who are not the best or the brightest. Nor the brightest, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.